Take Note. This is our podcast about carrying a notebook around in your pocket, carrying a pen to use in that notebook when the opportunity arises to write things down that happen to you, and then uh, all of the lifestyle choices that come along with that that kind of core lifestyle choice. I believe this is the 111st episode that we're recording here. Excited to be here with Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, Ted. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, and we have a special guest, writer, writing teacher, Burke Nixon here. Welcome aboard, Burke. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Big fan. It's good to have you. Uh, why don't you give us a little uh, a little quick self-intro before we get started? All right. Well, uh, the defining thing about my identity is that I'm, uh, my kids went to preschool with your kids. It is um, funny. Yes. And uh, I teach at Rice, uh, so I work with you, sort of. And uh, I write, uh, mostly these days I've been writing little essays for this little magazine called Common Wheel, but I've written uh, fiction and nonfiction for a bunch of little places over the years, um, sometimes with many, many years passing without anything happening. Um, I will, I'll correct you slightly to say you write fantastic little essays for Common Wheel. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Um, but yeah, and I mostly am a teacher, yeah, teacher and a writer, and I have five kids, so that I should I should include that for sure. That's an important biographical detail. I feel like that's a disclaimer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could burst into of... this room at any moment. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to have you aboard, and I, I haven't actually ever, I don't think, asked you in a very pointed way about your stationary practices, so I'm gonna, that's going to be a teaser. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but at this point in the show, we, we typically ask a question of each other and ourselves, what do you got? It means what have you written down in your notebook lately that you, you had to record for posterity? So, Burke, why don't you kick us off? What do you got? Appreciate it. I always like to hear your you guys, what do you got? So this is exciting. Um, I'll go with just the theme of me having five kids. So these are just a couple. I feel like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but just during... This last year when I'm not out as much, a lot of my writing in my notebooks is just like stuff that I hear around the house. So uh, this one's actually outside the house. I got two. One thing that I said to my kids and one thing that one of my kids said to me. The thing that I said to my kids uh, is it's a quote here that says, would you like squirrels to throw rocks at you? Um, <laughs> and I, I feel like you guys talked about squirrels one time on here, so I won't talk about squirrels but the squirrels are getting aggressive yeah <laughs> yeah i'm glad that someone is paying attention <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, and the other next to that is and i don't re- totally remember the context of this but one of my kids it says that and i don't know if these are together or not but it just next to it it says in quotes the picture of me surfing an alligator is it a is it a picture of you or is it you wrote the words a picture of me surfing no, this alligator. is this is a kid gave me something uh, gave me a picture um maybe as an apology for the throwing rocks at the squirrels <laughs> oh he drew it a yes. picture of you through yes. surfing an alligator that's yes. fantastic yes and then but i didn't know that's what it was and then they said oh it's a picture of me surfing an alligator <laughs> Obvious. <laughs> olive branch it was an olive branch <laughs> Awesome. Is that a nonfiction? Is that a picture of something that actually happened? Mm. Yeah. Well, no, that is not. I don't think they surfed an alligator. That'd be a fantastic. What do you got? It's unclear. It's unclear. Uh, what do you got, Adam? 
All right. Well, I was going to tell my story about the time that I surfed an alligator, but I'm going <laughs> to skip that one for now. Um, I wrote down this. I got a short one here. I got a haircut for the first time in more than a year. Logan, my oldest, said they shouldn't have shaved the top of my head. He was, naively, referring to my receding hairline. Mm-hmm. Yep, they should. Nothing like an 11-year-old to tell you the truth about your new haircut. They should have left it there. Mm-hmm. Why they mm-hmm. got rid of that. Yep. What do you got, Ted? Uh, I was uh, working in the home office for a long stretch of time. Uh, and uh, at some point, this uh, th- this just sort of just above white noise, something frequency, this sound at the edge of sound emerged in my hearing. And I, I started sniffing around for it, kind of following my ear, trying to find where this was coming from. The, the keyboard, the synthesizer in the corner of the room uh, was playing a dusky repeating beat at about 50 beats per minute just barely audible like a water drip and based on the last time a child was in the room it had been happening for about two hours what do you got burke <laughs> uh music we'll, we'll keep with the, the theme of music i told you about this already ted but um i bought some some new speakers um little tiny speakers to go with my turntable i'm trying to move my turntable into my room with hopes that my youngest child will attack it less and mess it up less um, because it's in the living room so i got these new little speakers uh to go with my turntable and then i found this note that was uh, on the box uh, of the speakers Um, the speakers are by edifier uh, made in china and i wrote down the entire note it's kind of long but it's been inspiring me uh, a lot so I, i had to write the whole thing down first sight of edifier remember it exclamation point this is the name that will bring you big surprise, astonishment, and enjoyment. This is, it, it starts slowly and it builds strong. It, it goes from the, ever from the sparkles of idea sprouts out of designer sketch, every piece of edifier's works breathes with a vivid life, palpitating with the spirit of music. For music is a spiritual thing, and youthhood is creed. In the domain of music, we promenade hand in hand. Edifier that's in quotation marks comma is not only a product but also a harmonious attitude to life um so i told ted that that's been really inspiring me uh i've been reading it like as a dramatic monologue in my house my wife doesn't appreciate it (laughs) i appreciate it (laughs) although (laughs) ted is it possible that you have the same sticker on your like if i remember correctly chinese lantern have you read that before, Ted? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that inspired Bert to, to reach out. Yeah, that was, I heard about that. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me. I think it's the same sticker on either yeah. item. And, and I mean, the yeah, Youthhood yeah. is Creed is now, I told Ted, uh, is, a, is a tattoo that I now have on my arm. Uh, youthhood is Creed. Youthhood is, t- creed. Youthhood is two yeah. words. <laughs> youthhood. Is creed. Uh, well, we were we were enjoying the idea that there is someone at that company who is just absolutely going for it, uh, gonna gonna make his mark one way or another. 
uh, he he's he's not picky about his audience, but he's gonna he's gonna get you where you feel it, he no matter who he you doesn't are. Do half measures. Nope. I really love that one. I mean, that one, unlike the one that you read, I don't know, a year ago, Ted, that was like mistranslation or something. That one's like a real poem. It's yeah. fantastic. Full in board. the domain of music, we promenade hand in hand. That's that's good. That's very very nice. It's good. What do you got? Did Adam? you look it up on Genius to find out what the words, what the lyrics mean? <laughs> I need to do that. What do you got, Adam? All right. Well, first, I have a question for you guys. Do you remember what you had for breakfast um, eleven years ago? No. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Pretty sure, I can say with some confidence that it was not Eggo waffles, because. Today, my wife texted me a picture of the wa- frozen waffle, the waffle freezer at the grocery store empty. And she said, waffle shortage. We're, we're very fond. I think everyone is of uh, following the shortages hmm. in the pandemic, or, you know, what, what you can't get in the pandemic. So I Googled to discover if there was a waffle shortage. Um, and there was, but it was in 2009, the end of 2009, the beginning of 2010, <laughs> uh, a flooding at the Kellogg Atlanta plant and equipment repairs in the Rossville, Tennessee Kellogg plant led to um, ego rationing mm-hmm. for you know, like, what would that be? It'd be like about six months. A little more digging revealed that it was, it was a little worse than flood, flooding in Atlanta. There were reports of listeria. Um, mm. But don't worry about Kellogg. Fast forward to 2020 and they have reported, they reported, uh, Ego sales soaring forty five percent due to breakfast at home during a lockdown. Yeah, well, I I was aware of the cereal boom, but I I feel like <laughs> this is a good complement to that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's you know it's not the one thing, it's not the flooding or the listeria, it's the it's the two things. The what was it? A fire at the factory? I'm there sorry. was flooding and then equipment repairs, which, you know, you said it was a they bombing. really should take care of there. You said it was a there. bombing at the second facility. Is that what you said? Uh, I would just, like, Kellogg, send your lawyers after Ted, <laughs> is what I would say. What do you got, Ted, other than a cease and desist? Uh, okay. Yesterday, after the kids went to bed. Although I said Listeria, so really, they're going to come after me. Anyway, what do you got? Uh, yesterday after bed, I was, uh, it, having a, a peaceful, reflective conversation with my wife, as you do. After the kids go to bed, I was, uh, complaining to her about how people are always doing things and how it just seems like a little much. It's excessive. Uh, she quickly came to my defense saying, oh, don't worry about it. You're a thinker, not a doer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's important to have a support, a support team. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can you tell us what you were upset that people were doing? I can't recall. I don't have the foggiest okay. clue. Not, <laughs> not a clue. So really not a thinker either. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Burke, so what I wanted to know from you is uh, kind of just give a rundown of your stationary life uh just soup to nuts nuts and bolts bolt action rifle uh 
rifle. I got. I don't have anything else there. Um, but what do you like to use? What do you like to write with? Well, I I'm like a. I think the notebook revelation for me was uh, I, when I first would get notebooks, I would write in them very sparingly because I tried to like say, oh, this is going to be like Chekhov's notebook. Everything's going to be a little <laughs> little genius nugget. Um, and this then one's finally, for the historians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is for my records. Uh, but now that I uh, just write grocery lists and like, you know, uh, just every single random thing and just use it as like a practical thing, fun- finally I can like fill up notebooks. You know, I'd get like precious with it and then I wouldn't put anything in there. So now I go through notebooks like crazy. Uh, right now I'm using field notes. Um, you guys inspired me talking about field notes. Nice. Uh, the Wilco ones were really awesome. Oh, uh, the the uh, national park ones are like too nice for me to write in. I feel like I need to only like write stuff. I need to only visit those places. But right now I'm doing this field notes. That's uh, the county fair regional edition. Um, yeah, and it's it's the great state of Texas. Got it at a what's that place called? Uh, Anvil Cards, you know, Ted. Anvil oh yeah, Cards. I love that. Um, place. Got that, and it has you know some facts about Texas. My son was looking at my notebook and looking at all the facts, the state bird and state fish and everything. And then uh, he said, you know, state luminary. He, he struggled with the word luminary, but then he said it, and he said Willie Nelson, and he got all excited um, that it was Willie <laughs> Nelson. And I was like so proud that my son uh, was excited about Willie Nelson. And then he said, that's a, that's the really good baseball player um, that played a long time ago. And then so I realized he, he thought it was Willie Mays. Um, <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I, I like to use the little pocket notebooks um, and just take them around with me. Pens, I don't pens and pencils. I like the black wing pencils. Um, pens, I just go with the old Pilot G two. Um, big big fan of that. But I I, uh, I got some I got some. You know, my wife my wife's uh, mom is from Singapore, and so when we went to visit her family, uh, I went to the Muji store and got some Muji notebooks, and so I got a really Ooh. bunch of cool notebooks from there. It's such a cool little store. Um, so like basically anything that's just a little pocket notebook gets me all excited to just nice. scrawl a bunch of stuff in. Uh, you prefer graph, dot grid, ruled? I'll go anything. Uh, yeah. Right now I got I'm doing graph on this field notes, um, but I, I like dot grid. I didn't think I would, but I like dot grid the best. I think. Hmm, that's weird. I don't like I don't like the big. I don't like <laughs> that's weird. Ted, Ted is a ruled partisan, and you didn't realize there was a correct answer when he answered when he asked you the question. Walked right into that one. Yeah. <laughs> the Muji notebooks must be nice because I mean I don't know. I sometimes think that uh, all I should buy are the field notes craft because that would get me away from the thing that you're mentioning about um, them being too nice to use. Right, the crafts are kind of perfect mm-hmm. and you know simple enough that maybe you don't think that and i would think that muji would have you know off the top of my head i would assume that they would have notebooks that are kind of very simple and plain too we we went in singapore like it was a day where we just like couldn't figure out how to entertain our kids and calm our kids down and we went to the store and they had like this you know huge section of notebooks and then they had stamps um and you know you could just stamp all over the covers of your notebooks to design your own notebook cover and it was like a great nice spend like two hours with my kids but then also it was good because then it's like now I have all these notebooks that are all stamped all over so they don't feel so precious, you know. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think Did you get any nice. socks at the Muji store? I, I didn't. They had some nice underwear, uh, but I didn't get any. I got really nice socks at the Muji store in Vancouver. No kidding. They were great. 
It's so nice. do you do you um do you write a lot of creative stuff or, or do you try to capture those those stray little bits of creativity that that come into your head in the course of a day? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say creativity is, is a strong, strong word uh, for me, but I definitely am trying to like any weird thing that I hear or see, put it down because I feel like if you can just get enough of, uh, you know, if you can get like 20 weird things in your notebook and, and then you have something to write, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You mentioned the note, the Chekhov's notebook. That that book is fantastic. I think if people are googling for it, I, you can probably just search Chekhov notebook. I, th- I think it comes up. They sell it under the title Notebook of Anton Chekhov. Yeah, it's so pretty good. inexpensive, really slim. And you know, like that's got to be. I love that book, and that's. But I would have the same thing. Like every same same issue where I would feel like I need to create every line as a gem. But I think. That must be edited down from like a decade of notebooks oh, yeah. into this hundred-page book or something, but uh, that's a fantastic book. But also, Take it's just so fans, like we'll uh, you know, talking about creativity, it's just so a lot of it is just like very concrete things that he, you know, these concrete little gems that he saw, you know. Yeah. Or like a in like a character idea, yeah, where yeah. It's just or like a little plot sentence, idea, like yeah. yeah, like X. I don't even, yeah, yeah. I, but that's, I'll write my, my, that inspired me for a long time and still sometimes I'll do that. Anytime I have an idea for a character or something that's just like not autobiographical, but maybe like a bit like myself, but skewed, I just write X such and such. I, yeah, you know, he does I that can't a lot. Think of it. Yeah. Have you read that, Ted? Have you seen that book? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm going to have to go out and find it. It's free online, but the one that Adam's talking about is just a really cool, you know, Cool little tiny book that you can just you know flip through and just see these little cool gems and i apparently like he would maybe adam you know this like he would every time he used one in a story then he would what like exit out or or black it out and so then the notebook that they published is just like the ones that were left over that were never used in stories. oh wow no i didn't know that that's cool yeah i think i mean you know there's a, i think when i'm doing something creative i actually forget a lot to go back to my notebooks to kind of mm-hmm. do exactly that and sort of you know puzzle piece together and include those things that when they happened were super compelling or interesting for some reason i think the one time recently when i remembered to do that was when i was writing a song after reading jeff Tweedy's book and you know kind of taking inspiration from him to just kind of search around and find little things mm-hmm. in the world around you that that was when it was enough in front of mind for me to to do that and kind of use those as little jumping off points, but uh, to do it in such a deliberate way and even to go back and cross it out that sounds that's cool. I guess that's how that's how you really do it. That's how you really check off your way around. <laughs> in the middle of last year, Burke wrote a fantastic essay called "A Man of Many Moods." which was a review, although that doesn't quite do it justice, of Bob Dylan's latest album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam is a very, is a, Adam took me to a Dylan show in Boston in the year 2000, was it? Was it he, Y2K? Yeah, end of 2000 or nice. beginning of 2001, yeah. Nice. November 2000, I think. Um, so yeah. he, he keeps me keeps me uh, honest when it comes to Dylan. 
a pretty um, solid solid year to go. Yeah, it was a great show. It was we had to pretend that uh, Ted was a Boston University undergrad because oh, it was a private <laughs> show. Whoa, it only you could with... only get tickets if you were B, uh, BU undergrads. They were they were free, and we got you in somehow. Yeah, a white guy awesome. with with bad glasses on. I don't know how I ever <laughs> slipped into that <laughs> show as a BU student. Well, that was that was when I learned for the first time that that a Bob Dylan live show, uh, you may very well not recognize a single song he was playing <laughs> as an actual Bob Dylan song. That was something of a revelation. <laughs> Taught me something about the man that day. <laughs> I think that is overstated. I mean, that's that's like a gag, but that is, you know, that's overstated we, for sure. We were, I still remember we were watching, we were at the show and, Maybe every third song, I'd turn to you and go, which song is this that he's playing? Oh, he's, oh this is um, Maggie's Farm. <laughs> oh, this is uh, Blowing in the Wind. Oh, okay. all right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, be very nice. I'm just going to be very nice and, and just agree. <laughs> all right. I guess I'm looking it up. He opened with Duncan and Brady and then to Ramona. I would definitely have not. Yeah. Duncan and Brady, the Watts and Lonely Eagles cover. I have no idea what that is. To Ramona, okay. It's all right, Ma. I'm only bleeding. Yup. Then Tomorrow is a Long Time. I don't remember that song. Uh, it goes to Tangled Up in Blue. And then Searching for a Soldier's Grave. I don't remember yeah. that song either. So I take it back. <laughs> the, the thing is, he wasn't playing Dylan songs <laughs> early fair. in the set. That's a fair point. He had a two, couple of covers. It's a pretty yeah. random five or six songs. And I don't even, Tomorrow is a Long Time. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Ted. Well, I could cherry pick a number of lines from this essay. The one that I happen to have grabbed is when you said, his voice at age 79 defies adequate description, varying from a ghoulish growl to a hoarse croon, a mix of Howlin' Wolf and Jimmy Durante, with traces of all the earlier Bob Dylans underneath. Uh, it's a great essay, uh, but I think it, I mean, it speaks to how much you love Dylan. First of all, yeah. And how any you... any little small insults that I've heard so far, I'm I'm just steaming with anger. You're absorbing them, <laughs> uh, and you you opened yourself up to me to text you about Dylan at all hours of day and night, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, I'm happy. What what happy do you read. like? What's your take on, you know, just kind of recapping your feelings about his latest album as it fits into his career and your feelings about him? Uh, well, I think, you know, A, I, I love him so much that, you know, it's it, it'd be interesting to ask, you know, like, what do you think about the album a couple of years later? Because I'm just so, you know, I probably can't even see it, see it clearly. But I think the album was great. Uh, I mean, I just think the, his weirdness is just always going to there's always going to be surprises because he's just always following his nose and doing something weird. And so it makes these, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to say, uh, compare him to somebody else, but like, I listened to an album that I heard was really good by, you know, another sixties icon, you know, a few months ago. And I was like, and everyone said it was good. And it was just like, Oh, this is like, I would rather just listen to the, the guy when he was good. You know, um, this is just, listen, this... if you're going to come on here and shit talk James <laughs> Taylor like that and not even say his name, 
I like the idea, Burke, that you're protecting some millionaire. Protecting it, on a it's podcast. Paul McCartney. I don't know why I'm doing that. Paul oh, okay. Paul McCartney seems Ooh, nice. Don't say it. Ooh, if my I'm wife sure is going to listen fan. to this. Yeah, see, now you're protecting me from I couldn't my listen wife, to Paul McCartney's album, but Dylan's albums are, okay. they just feel Let's like. Let's go back yeah. to generic terms only. For Sir Paul. <laughs> I just, I just like how, I just like how strange they are, and how you know he's just always doing something a little bit different. And this one is just like, you know, built on the rubble of so many other old songs. And I just think that's interesting. Um, and I mean, it's like what you expect is always. It's just like a little slightly off center from what you expect. You know, um, it's like you expect a mortality album, and then he's like threatening you with a sharp knife. <laughs> I agree. This is very weird album and great album. And I think it has arguably the weirdest song in Dylan's career on it. And I think we should get to that in a bit. Uh, before that, I think what the, uh, what I, one of the things I was thinking about both your essay, which really kind of hones in on this and the album in general is there is like all this list making mm. even more yeah. so. And like this kind of like, um, also this thing he's been doing since, I don't probably for maybe about 20 years on his albums, at least that we know of. And in the autobiography is like this, um, this thing where he's like taking lines yeah. from other sources and kind of creating a palimpsest or something, or like a commonplace book out of the songs. And I really like that. I find, and you write about that in the essay. I find it's hard to know exactly what to say about that. Luckily you, you kind of have, um, I guess what attracts you, like what attracts you to that aspect of the album like the list making and the collage kind of i think one thing is like it, it's kind of for a guy that's known for being just such a colossal ego it's kind of a uh like if every line is a homage to something else it's kind of a egoless thing in a way you know i mean if that's if you're always just like pointing towards something else um you know he, it's like you're a fan too and so i think that's kind of a cool thing is like he's not trying to like you know do some like self karaoke and just some old version of himself he's still just like jazzed by all this random you know american history and popular song and i think that's just such a cool thing but also it's just cool like for me just to be a nerd and just follow the the trail of this stuff and just to discover like you know like you know jimmy reed and, and stuff like that it's just a cool thing you and you discover these old like irish poems or something like that's just a fun there's fun to go down that rabbit hole and also he's like a no like He's he's a notebook guy. It seems like you know I don't right. know how else he can do this yep. without being a notebook guy. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It seems like he must be everything he's reading, um, everything he's coming across is getting jotted down somewhere. And then I mean he's, he, I would imagine that he's doing something uh, that I just learned Chekhov was doing with his notebooks. Like he's got all these things written down, and then once he makes the reference or puts the reference or uses it in some way, it gets crossed out. I, I would think. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah, seems like I mean like in his. Uh, you know, memoir, uh, which he, where he steals just so many lines from so many places, Jack London and all this stuff. But like one time in his memoir, he says like, Oh, I was hanging out in New York, going to the library, like looking at the microfiche of like uh, civil war deuce era newspapers. Um, and like, it just seems like <laughs> for me, if I look at civil war era newspapers, there's nothing that could come out of that. But like, if you're just <laughs> always putting stuff in your notebook and trying to turn it into songs, it just seems like it's such a cool way to live where you're always, everything is material. And you're like, I'm going to look at these, you know, 1865 newspapers because there might be some random detail in here I can put in a song, you know? Yeah. I, I, I feel like, like, like the greats, 
they they know that the the myths are always worth returning to. Yeah, somehow. yeah. I, I it's something I, I it's just once I realized that you just you'll see it time and time again, and I think Dylan has kind of just placed himself in that in that same trajectory um, of just understanding deeply that the oldest stories are the ones that are the the ones worth returning to and singing about yet totally. again. Yeah, I'm I mean, not like being on his afraid to do that. On his last couple albums, he's singing about like uh, Roman history a lot and making references mm-hmm. to Roman history. And it's like, I just like how he, you know, can, he's clearly just interested in a lot of different things. And then it kind of, you know, helps you get, and I went back and like, you know, was looking at this book. What is it like called 12 Caesars um, that like Robert Graves translates these, you know, old, the old stories of the different Caesars. And you're like, these are just weird, crazy stories, you know, <laughs> like the, the early Roman history is just like these, <laughs> it's just crazy. They're weird stories. And that, that's a fun thing to go back to stuff like that. I heard that book. I heard that book recommended. I think on like a, a Slate Culture Gab Fest or something. That Twelve Caesars, that's on my that's on my list in one of my notebooks somewhere. I think. One of the things that uh, you talk about in your essay, that I'm afraid I will now like um, dirty up, is your uh, your grandmother's uh, old radio, and that she would listen to this oldies station, and. Um, it put me, it reminded me of something that I have not thought about for a long time, but I think it's a, um, it's a good story for the podcast. Um, when I was, uh, 15 years old, uh, my buddy who was 16 and I went to see an oldies DJ at a Red Lobster and we were <laughs> the youngest by decades there. And, uh, my, my buddy Broder, uh, won, a year's supply of Red Lobster, but then it turned out he was too young to get it, and so they gave him a partial prize in the end, which um, my lawyerly opinion was, like, if they could give him a partial prize, they could give him a whole prize. Yeah, but, so we this this DJ we saw, his name was Dick Biondi, and uh, Dick Biondi was um, uh, being accosted by a, a female fan that probably would have been my mother's age, and he kind of shooed her away because he wanted to show his two young fans something. And he got her to move away, and he was like, guys, you've got to see this. And he showed us a picture of a topless woman uh, riding a horse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what your um, grandmother's old yeah. radio. Oh, and you said so you were worried about dirtying it up. I didn't think you were actually going to dirty it up, but you did. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> That's Adam, a, did you want to talk about my own version of you, the Bob Dylan song in particular? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So when we decided, when we, when we discussed talking about this essay, um, you know, it's been a, it's been about half a year since the album came out and I really liked it and I was listening to it again and I just decided, I, I mean, as, as I heard it again, I was like, wow, we have to talk about the third song on the record, <laughs> my own version of you which is like a Frankenstein story, but it is, I think, the, I, I said to a friend of mine that it was the most compelling, Dylan, is most compelling song on the album, and it, he said maybe, he said it's the weirdest Dylan song maybe of his entire career, and I think I agree. Um, so it is, I mean, it, it is about assembling the bones and body parts and limbs and livers to create a new life, 
And, I, and I've got a lot of notes here about it, but I guess I, what did you guys think of that song? Dad, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'm just looking at the lyrics right now. Um, the lyrics are amazing. At one point, he's like, I'm learning Arabic and Sanskrit. <laughs> like, I'm trying, to be, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a better person while he's yeah, assembling I'm, this. I'm seeing so, and line, I guess that uh, Arabic and Sanskrit line, are that's a direct reference to Frankenstein. I read that, and I wouldn't have known that. And I was... I didn't know. I was trying to think about the song just like without the research because right if you look into the any of his songs there's a lot of conjecture. Like I liked that that was I think like a direct reference to Frankenstein. I thought that was cool. I think you know assuming too much about any of these songs or assuming the meaning, you know, it can quickly get muddied up. So it's hard to know how to talk about a song without you know, I I try to resist like assumptions. Yeah. But uh that I thought was interesting that it was like a direct reference to Frankenstein. We have to, uh, of course, quote the, I'll take the Scarface Pacino and the Godfather Brando, mix it up in a tank and get a robot commando, because that is a unique villain line. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, that is a very, that's just a bizarre line. I mean, that's that's a very un-Dylan sort of line. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I, that really, like the line that really gets me is at one point he says, um, I'll bring someone to life to balance the scales and so this, I'll bring someone to life is in every verse and he was going to bring someone to life and then it's followed by something else. But that when he says to balance the scales to me, and I know it's just to me, like that felt like that was not some throwaway line mm. or some like something that had been jotted down in a notebook that he wanted to throw in there. That felt to me like it really meant something and it kind of like changes the meaning of the song. I mean, at the end of the song, it, it, towards the end of the song, it gets into... Uh, slavery and slavery existing before England and America. Um, but he says, so throughout the song, he says, I'll bring someone to life. Um, it's what I want to do. I want to create my own version of you. So that's the first, that's the first reference. And that's where the title of the song comes from. I'll bring someone to life, someone I've never seen. I'll bring someone to life, um, someone for real, someone who feels the way I feel. I'll bring someone to life in more ways than one. Then he says, I'll bring someone to life to balance the scales. I'll bring a life to spare no expense. Um, and like the, the spare no expense, to me, that that was like, that part one's kind of throwaway, whereas balance the scales on the verse before, it really like strikes me. Um, I'll bring someone to life. I'll use all my powers. And then it, the song ends with, I'll bring someone to life, uh, turn back the years, do it with laughter, do it with tears. I mean, um, is, just, is this just the most ornate uh an involved way that bob dylan would say man doesn't death really suck i yeah i mean i don't know i don't to me it's not i i don't know what this song is about i mean i think i my feeling is it is a song trying to be as creepy as possible like it is supposed to be a horror song and he's trying to give people the ebgbs but then what about the compelling part? Because I'm interested in you saying that because a lot of people said like, oh yeah, this is one of the weirdest Bob Dylan songs ever. And it's really a creepy horror movie of a song. But like, what about the compelling parts? Tell me more about that. That's really cool. Well, well, yeah, see, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I'll bring someone to life to balance the scales, right? I don't, yeah, yeah. I would have to like read into it to really know. But yet yeah, that is the part that is not just trying to give someone the EBGBs, except maybe, to me, when I hear that line, uh, I'll bring some life to balance the scales suggests that he has taken away someone's life. And I mean, I think, right. I try to resist this, but like, it is almost like in this song, he is the cause 
at times of all of the world's troubles maybe mm-hmm. and if he's the cause of some death there's some reference to like there, there's a whole verse that's like I'll bring it to this. I'll bring it to this, and there, there's a lot of throwaways in there. Yeah, he started, that's um, he and there's a lot of like fun music, references. Like, I'll bring it to Jerome, like the yep. Diddley lyrics and stuff. And there's a reference to bring it. I'll bring it back home, which is a reference to one of his records, probably. But then there's a line like, "I'll bring it to the street corner where the children play," and it's just like, what the f- is fuck <laughs> is that? And it sounds like, I mean, it either sounds like a threat or like to yeah. me something bad happened there. And so this that line about uh, "I'll bring someone to life." to balance the scales it could just be a throwaway right but to me it's it it it, it invests this like was he is the singer of the song like the cause of is the singer of the song the cause of um uh, slavery and the selling of the trojan slaves that he references in like i think just before that um is he the cause of all things is like the singer of the song like the creator um, I don't know, and I like again. I like feel like I'm getting feel like I'm reading more into it, but it's just that one line. You're like, what? What is he well, balancing the scales for? I mean, it's like Dylan is whenever he says "I" in a song, he's never talking about himself because he would never, especially at this stage of his career, he would never be so forward as to say this is actually about me. So it's you know, I don't know if we can rule saying, out that he had has assembled. You know, a monster from body parts. And, and, He's and into monasteries, welding, so. monasteries and mortuary. A, a Frankenstein monster pickled in a very large vat of uh, of Bob Dylan brand whiskey. Probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's it called? What's the oh, whiskey called? It, it's escaping me at the moment. <laughs> I can't remember. It's not death. It's pretty good. It's pretty, oh, knocking on heaven's door, yeah, right. Heaven's, heaven's door. Heaven's, is heaven's it, door has a whole new meaning now. <laughs> right. It's not bad whiskey. I've I've had it. Well, I mean, the, so so the way I I, I I don't tend to listen to songs so closely, um, all the time until you know twenty years later, and I go, oh, I never heard that line before. Um, and and so I I hear this song kind of in the context of the whole album with the whole listing and the whole litany mm-hmm. feel and and for some reason maybe it's because it's a familiar name but the line where he says i'm gonna make you play the piano like yeah. leon russell yeah like liberace like saint john the apostle oh, i love that and line. the fact that he rhymed leon russell with saint john the apostle <laughs> it just makes me fall out of my chair i love that and just think like this only Bob Dylan could accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of this long list on this album of lists, he makes you fall out of your chair with a rhyme. And so it, yeah, that that's my relationship to this song currently. It's like I didn't even hear, you know, the the sort of point of the song was sort of absorbed by the rest of the album, which yeah. is kind of my experience of the entire album. Like this song doesn't like you could stick this together with like the the song about the kennedy assassination and just mm-hmm. weld them together bob dylan style and you wouldn't really <laughs> notice any kind of a flow difference they would just like flow together as yeah. like the beginning yeah. and the end of the same idea you know but then the next song is like you know i think the next song on the album is a, is like you know one of the most sentimental you know kind of sincere love ballads on the album and like i think that also is like when you 
you know, there's some kind of lesson in there where if you're going to do a really sincere, do something really sincere and, and loving, then, you know, you should proceed it by a story about putting together a, a human being with body parts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> um, that is a that is a, fit, a great weird transition. And actually, that's like, so then when I think to myself, like, wow, why would he make this transition? And it, it does, it it makes me think like uh, you have to like bring meaning out of some of this, right? Like some of it is just how it flows together and also like creating contrasts. And even, even in this conversation, I think I've gone a little deeper in what I believe in that, like probably that balance, the scales isn't some like, doesn't change the meaning of the whole song. Probably he was writing that verse and he's like, Oh, this is a weird thing that throws everything that creates a weird contrast for the rest of the song. You know, like, who can know what he was thinking, but he probably wasn't like, I'm going to hide the meaning of the song in the fifth verse or something like but that. But now I'm going to go back and listen to it and just pay attention to that one line because it's like, it's such a simple line, but now I like the way that you're describing it. Just the whole song hinging on it's a cool idea. Doesn't, doesn't matter if he, want, if he wanted to do it like that. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the whole song, I think Bob actually... Dylan the, wanted. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> that whole song is really compelling even without that. Like that whole song is just... But then that one, you know, when I when I listen to it and I listen carefully, I'm like, part of me ends up just thinking, I think, like I said, like what is like poetic and this is a cool line and I've got this list and these things work together and what is kind of this thing that uh, changes everything, even if it's just, doesn't change the meaning, but it changes uh, how things feel in the song. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to close this discussion by quoting you, Burke, from your essay. But for those who like their music to have rough edges, those who think art should be strange because life is strange, those who think that great singing is about expression rather than perfection, Dylan's vocals won't disappoint. The phrasing and emphasis are almost always surprising. He can make a simple statement sound hilarious or absolutely heartbreaking. You wait for each line, wondering what he's going to say next and how he'll say it. I so well said uh, awesome so I think that got us into the music uh, mindset preparing for this conversation so we thought just for kicks we would uh, each of us throw out uh, some good stuff they've been listening to lately Burke do you want to start us off sure some fresh sure man I got I got two um, one uh, is this have you heard of this band Night Shop have y'all either have y'all heard of that no, Night no. Shop. It's a guy that he was like an indie drummer for like 20 years, um, and he was, he just drummed with a, a bunch of different indie bands. Um, Kevin Morby is like the main guy I think that he, he drummed with, um, and then now he's oh, okay. he I guess went out on his own. This is like his. I solo mean, who project. hasn't drummed with Kevin Morby though? <laughs> yeah, Let's be honest. Exactly. <laughs> it's a rite of passage for all. Of them. Uh, <laughs> but but this guy, I don't I don't know that uh, I just heard one of his songs randomly. Um, and you know on spotify or something and now i'm just obsessed with this guy i think he's so good in everything he does um you know he's done like one full-length album and a couple of eps um and it's just really to me good and, and like the kind of lyrics that i want to just you know wonder like it's not these lyrics aren't just like placeholders i wonder like what you know this guy's thinking about stuff through his songs you know and like trying to figure things out um, but just also oh, it's just great. really good kind of rock and roll so so night shop hype thoroughly recommend night shop awesome um and the other one is a band that i don't know anything about and i was hoping that maybe you all would know but it's kind of like this indie 
kind of traditional country kind of stuff called cutworms. Do y'all know cutworms? Dude, I almost selected cutworms. Oh man, to talk about. I don't know. Good, and I don't know anything about this guy. I don't either, except he he name drops the Antiques Roadshow in his best song. <laughs> I was just playing the, that their record before we started recording tonight. It's so good. I'll write it down. I'll listen to it. It's it's well okay. worth a listen. I don't know a single thing about him, but I've, are you talking I've, about the one like from last year? That's like I think nobody lives here anymore. I think that's the name of the album. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. I don't think he has a ton of albums out. Yeah, it's so good. The whole thing is good. Well, we'll we'll link to it and people can find out more. But they should definitely listen. Awesome, uh, Adam. What do you got? All right, I got two two. Um, just tonight, actually, when we I was said listening. Share a new. Uh, artists that you enjoy i didn't realize we oh just pick two <laughs> and yet both of you uh, yeah taking liberties just like my 1a and 1b on the what do you got this show is very <laughs> that's, strict that's on that right. <laughs> ted likes from a tight ship oh, and yeah. i think we all just naturally resist it <laughs> um so uh, t- well tonight actually i already had a different one but um I was listening to, I like this uh, pianist, Vikinger Olufsen, um, and I always think he's like this guy I found, but it turns out he's the most popular classical musician right now. Um, and he has, uh, the song that came up on Spotify is called uh, Briar's Home Session, and I th- it's Claude Debussy's Briar's, but it's a recording he did at home, and I, th- I guess he's got a record coming out uh, in like a week or two that's called Reflections and maybe it'll be on that or maybe this is like part of that project but what was cool about this is I guess because it's a home session there's while he's playing this there's the sound of something like clicking or the piano like th- there's a knocking sound and yeah, so as you, I was listening to this I know about this when you when someone accidentally leaves the electric keyboard on <laughs> and they yeah. just leave a beat at about 50 beats per minute that'll It'll come through. <laughs> right. But anyway, it sounded like the chest of drawers that my iPad was on top of was like swaying to the music and everything was rocking, but it was all inside the song. And so I, I really like him. I listen to him all the time. And so that Briar's home session. And then the other one, Ted, I had actually texted this to you earlier in the week. Christian Lee Hudson's Northsiders. This great song. Um, I didn't know anything about him. It turns out he... Uh, the album's produced by uh, Phoebe Bridgers, mm-hmm. if I get her name right. I think I always yeah. screw it up, which I didn't know. Um, but there is just this, like, this just, like, perfect like, just rightness to the references in the songs. And it's, like, kind of this melodic folk thing. But uh, one of the lyrics is, We were so pretentious then, didn't trust the government, said that we were communists, thought that we invented it. Which, uh, like, love it every time. And the whole article kind of goes, the whole song, I mean, kind of goes that way. Ted? Definitely going to check that out. Got one or two for us, buddy. (laughs) I've only got one. (laughs) You got sucker punched. Um, Make it it worth it. (laughs) My recommendation is Buck Meek. Uh, And he is, in fact, the guitar player for Big Thief, um, who's gotten gotten pretty big big thief. if i have to have two unexpectedly here um <laughs> i could say big thief is my one b um but buck meek is the guitar player for big thief and he's done some solo work but he just put out a, a solo album um and he's a 
he just has this mesmerizing voice, um, kind of a little bit high and plaintive, a little bit tender, um, strong, but and but then his his wordplay over his chord making is is really nice, and it's just one of those albums that uh, that I can't. There's just a je ne sais quoi about it that I just want to listen to it again and again. I want it to be, you know, I want to be hearing it, which, you know, you I don't think you can calculate how that happens, but when it happens, you just know it. And his his latest album uh, is that for me. And, you know, with Big Thief, he does amazing work on the guitar. Um, and obviously their, you know, their songs are so strange and wonderful. Uh, and I'm I'm convinced at this point that he has has a a lot to do with that too. So Buck Meek and he did a um, Rhett Miller has a podcast about songwriting that I I've listened to a few episodes. I haven't heard many of them, but he did an a an episode with Rhett Miller where he was like sitting on the back porch of his uh, Topanga Canyon uh, bungalow or something, and I need there to go were listen birds to that. chirping. Yeah, uh, it was a really nice conversation. He's actually from Wimberley, Texas, which yeah. surprised me. Um, so he kind of talked about his, you know, what he, in that interview, what I enjoyed was he, he talked about um, the Kerrville Folk Festival. Burke, have you ever been to the Kerrville Folk Festival? No, I've always wanted to go. I've never been. Yeah, I've never been either. But the way he Seems described it. Seems like you it, would have gone plenty of times. That's crazy. I Yeah, I just never, I never really made it. I made it to... Uh, to Lukenbach to a Willie Nelson Fourth of July picnic, um, but I never made it to Kerrville. But uh, you know, he talked about kind of singing songs around the campfire and kind of trying to trying to you know impress with your your lyrics and get kind of oohs and ahs out of folks, you know, in that in that remarkable context. So that was a good conversation. But I also I just yes, love his music. Cool. All right. I mean that awesome. I can't wait to look uh, look these folks up. Um, well, Burke, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. What a treat. I hope I'm allowed to see you in person at some point in the yeah. relatively near future. That would be remarkable. Really appreciate having you along. Um, you can check us out on the internet at takenote.space. That does not sound like a website, but it is a website. I guarantee it. Adam's been pumping out uh, the the writing and image-based content that you you know that you need and you want, so go find it over there. Um, we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash take note pod. Take care.